Good morning. <laughs> um, I am super excited to have the privilege to introduce our speaker this morning, and her name is Lori Short, and she is here all the way from Santa Barbara, so welcome to the Arctic Tundra of Indiana <laughs> right now. Um, she's an author, a speaker, and she's super passionate about speaking to college students, and she'll be speaking on the subject of love, sex, and dating this morning, so some of you just got really nervous, some of you just rolled your eyes, but I promise it's going to be super good, and she actually blogged about speaking here on her blog this morning, and she has all the social media, so Feel free to follow her. She's going to want to talk with you guys after. So um, fun fact, she just had foot surgery like seven weeks ago, and this is her first appearance in a normal shoe. So she's really excited about that, and I hope you guys are too. So let's give her a warm welcome. All right. So I'm still limping. I should have started a little bit earlier. I just realized that, Casey. Well, I am so excited to be here with you guys. You have cold weather. Just, just, just saying. It's like 85 degrees in Santa Barbara. So I want to get right to it because I don't have much time. And I am super excited, so excited about speaking to you this morning that I actually did blog about you on my website just this morning about why I love speaking to college students about love, sex, and dating. But before we launch in, I thought it might be helpful to see what some children think about some of the very important questions that you guys are wondering about as you enter your dating relationships. How does a person decide who to marry? Some of you might be wondering that. Ring by spring, I know how it goes. Callie, who's nine, says this. You flip a coin, and heads means you stay with him, and tails means you try the next one. You might try that. What is the proper age to get married? Carolyn, who's eight, says 84. Because at that age, you don't have to work anymore, and you can spend all your time loving each other in your bedroom. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of an Abraham and Sarah thing we've got going there with Carolyn. Okay. What do most people do on a date? Martin, who's 10, says on the first date, they just tell each other lies. And that, that usually gets them interested enough to go for a second date. When is it okay to kiss someone? Some of you are wondering that. Callie, who's nine, says never kiss in front of other people. It's an embarrassing thing if anybody sees you. If nobody can see you, I might be willing to try it with a handsome boy, but only for a few hours. <laughs> that girl needs her mother. Roger, who's six, says, if it is your mother, you can kiss her anytime. But if it's a new person, you have to ask permission. <laughs> so cute. Tammy, who's 10, says, it's never okay to kiss a boy. They always slobber all over you. That's why I stopped doing it. <laughs> How does a person learn to kiss? Julia, who's seven, says, you have a big rehearsal with your Barbie and Ken dolls. <laughs> I don't even know if you guys know what those are. Brian, who's seven, says you learn it right on the spot when the gushy feelings get the best of you. And Karen, who's nine, says it might help to watch soap operas all day. <laughs> what does your appearance have to do with love? Brian, who's seven, says it's not always how you look. Look at me. I'm handsome like anything, and I haven't got anybody to marry me yet. You got some time, big guy. Christine, who's nine, says, beauty is skin deep, but how rich you are can last a long time. 
How true. How do you feel about being in love? Floyd, who's nine, says love is foolish, but I still might try it sometime. Dave, who's eight, says love will find you even if you're trying to hide from it. I've been trying to hide from it since I was five, but the girls keep finding me. <laughs> and last question, how do you make love last? And that's really what we're going to talk about today. Aaron, who's eight, says don't forget your wife's name. That will really mess up the love. Dave, who's eight, says, be a good kisser. That will make your wife forget that you never take out the trash. And then Natalie, who's eight, says the comment that I want to frame our time here this morning. Don't say you love somebody and then change your mind. Love isn't like picking what movie you want to watch. Well, 1 John 4, 11 and 12 says this. I believe we have the scripture. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So our relationships are a reflection of our relationship with God. But let's be honest this morning, this gets really tricky, confusing when we're talking about relationships with the opposite sex. And I think this is where the Greeks can help us out. Some of you probably have taken a little bit of Greek, a little bit of Hebrew, you know a few words. Even if you haven't, you probably know these words. The Greeks actually have several words for our one word love. And I think it's really helpful as we talk about love this morning to look into some of those kinds of love. Because we use the same word, but they actually define it differently. So the first word I want to talk about this morning is eros. Now, you know that we get the English word erotic from eros, so you can pretty much understand what eros is. Eros is that feeling you felt when you got on campus, and it was the first time that you walked out of your dorm room, you were heading to class, and all of a sudden you went, ding, 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 mayday, mayday, I am in love. Now, you had never met this person, you had no idea what their personality was like, but you knew that they were put on the planet for you at that moment. It's sort of that love at first sight, that emotionally driven love that we love to feel. Our songs sing about it. Our movies always end right when the real life begins, you know? And so we have this picture of love. Now, there is nothing wrong with Eros. I love Eros. Eros is here from God for us to enjoy. But what we have to be careful about is not defining it as what real love is. It's Eros. And I can prove that this morning. Because it's about love. It's about what's really there about a person. And when you're just loving their appearance, you really don't know what that person is like. How many of you this morning have fallen in love by appearance or just maybe talk to them a couple times and you thought this is it and then strangely as you started dating that person and you got to know them their personality they became less and less attractive to you can I see your hands you don't have to say who it is but just raise your hand if you've ever had that okay a few of you now conversely how many of you have had the opposite experience where you weren't that struck by this person at first but as you got to know them suddenly they became more and more attractive anybody had that experience yes so what we know is that eros is not really love it's often a door into love but it's not where love ends 
second word I want to talk about is phileo. Phileo is the first part of Philadelphia, which we know is the city of brotherly love. That's that friendship, kinship, really fun friendship stuff of love. Matter of fact, if you are sitting next to a friend that you have that with, just turn to them and say, I phileo you. Go ahead and do that right now. That's what you're saying. I phileo you. Now, here's the thing about phileo. Some of you are having too much phileo right now. Come back to me. Here's the thing about phileo. It's a little less emotional than eros because eros is often with the opposite sex and phileo is often with just friends. But it's still emotionally driven. And you know this because you've probably experienced this with some of your friends. Sometimes you think, oh my gosh, I just love this person as a friend. And then some of you get to be roommates with that person. And as you get closer to them, you realize, oh wow, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be like. Because now you're really getting to know the person. And at that moment, in both Eros and Phileo, another love has to enter in to keep the relationship going. This is true in every marriage across the world. A third kind of love has to come in in order for the relationship to be sustained. And that love, and I know you've heard the word, is agape. Agape love. This is the love that God has for us. God does not wake up in the morning, look down at you and say, hmm, what do they look like today? Not quite sure if I dig them, but let's see. I'll make a decision about No way! Our God loves us. He's decided. That decision was made on the cross of Jesus Christ. He loves us with agape love. And if we're supposed to have that kind of love, the love that God has for us, reflected in our relationships, then we've got to figure out how to bring agape into our dating relationships. How do we do that? Well, first, let's define it. I've got another scripture up on uh, the screen, and it's a very familiar scripture. You've heard it in probably most weddings you've gone to. 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm just going to read 4 through 8. Here's what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love, that kind of love, never fails. So when you look at those words, and I'm sure you've heard this before, they are not feeling words. They are action words. So what God is saying, the kind of love that I want you to have for each other is an action. It's a decision. So how do we bring that kind of love into our dating relationships as we're trying to figure out who God wants us to marry? And so I want to just take four of these words this morning and just practically flesh them out to you of what that looks like in a dating relationship. And the first is this. Love is patient. Now remember what we just, the survey we just took. If we know that when we first meet a person, we really don't totally know how we feel about them because we haven't gotten to know them. 
So dating, some people, you know, kiss dating goodbye, but dating or courting or whatever you call it is the process of actually getting to know the person. Now, here's the problem. On a lot of college campuses, because of that incredible Eros drive that's in you right now, you meet someone and you are so excited about that person that you start moving emotionally, sometimes physically, and in every way you are moving because your emotions are so high. You want to be with them 24-7. You cannot get enough of this person. And sadly, so many relationships in those initial stages go way too far physically than really what the feelings are about. And so what Paul is saying here is love is patient, which means slow down. You know, what you need to say to yourself about eros is this is a wonderful feeling, but I know it's not going to last. Now, it doesn't mean it, it doesn't come back. Those of us who are married, how many faculty are in here who are married? Could I see your hands? Maybe some students as well. Um, okay, so some of you are married. You know this, that, you know, not every morning do you wake up and look at the smushed face on the pillow next to you and go, wow, I am digging your scene right now. You are hot. No, 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 no. There are many moments in marriage where you do not feel that kind of love. But here's the great thing. It comes back. Eros is like the wind. It kind of comes in and out. So you never know when it's going to come upon you, even with the person that you're married to years later. And that's what's so great about it. But it can't be the foundation of your relationship. Love is patient, which means you guys are going to have to be a little more creative on your dates. I think a lot of people, you know, don't really think about what they're going to do on their dates. So they end up with what I call the three M's, meal, movie, make out. And then they wonder why they're in trouble physically, why they can't get it together. Well, it's because you haven't put time into the date. Now, men, let me just give you a tip this morning. If you put even the slightest bit of effort into the date that you take your lovely woman on, she will be blown away. I mean, it does, it's not about money. You could go to McDonald's, go before you're going to take her there, put a tablecloth on the table, a flower on the table, get your iPod set up, have some music, Spotify going. You could have your china there. You could get your Big Macs with your knives and forks, and you will make that woman feel incredible for eight bucks. It doesn't take a lot of money, and I know you guys don't have a lot of money. What it takes is time, thought. How am I going to get to know? Some of you have just planned your Valentine's date, I know. <laughs> love is patient. Second characteristic, love is kind. Some of you sitting here this morning are going, no, it's not. I feel you. Let me talk for a minute here about love is kind because I'm just going to take a brief moment to talk about some of the differences between men and women. Can I do that here this morning? I know I might be, be betraying some of the secrets, but I think it'll really help you guys as you think about being kind because being kind is not just being kind the way you perceive kindness to be. It's understanding what the opposite sex reads about kind. So let me just give you a point here this morning. Men are very visual Women are very sentimental. Now, I realize I'm making gross generalizations here, and some of you are going, well, I'm visual, well, I'm sentimental, and I'm not, you know, just, just bear with me here. Men are visual, women are sentimental, largely, which means men are more affected by what they see, 
Women are more affected by what they hear. So first I want to speak to the men. Knowing that this is true, that means that you have to watch your words with women. Because what you don't realize is that we have little tape recorders in our brain. And oh yes, we will remember every single thing you said. Now here's the problem with that. At the beginning of a relationship when the man is like fired up and going, this is the woman for me, she is my Eve, I want her, she's going to be my bride, and then they get to know her, well at first you're going, oh my gosh, I love you, I want to marry you, you're the one for me, and you're gushing, 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 and her tape recorder's going, 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 and then three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, you actually get to know her and you're going, well, maybe I jumped the gun a little bit. Not quite sure I feel those things. I felt them when I said them. Not quite sure now. Men, watch your words. Watch your words and say them when you really mean them. Now, women, I have a word for you. We actually have to use words. Now, first, I want to go back for a second and just, <laughs> and just talk a little bit to the men, a little bit about how, because this is so true. Man, just like on the sidebar, so you know how important your words are, here's just a little example of what could happen if a woman actually likes you. You might be walking around Indiana Wesleyan and you look up and you see someone, you don't know she likes you, and you go, hi, and then you walk past her. What you don't realize is that woman will take her cell phone at that moment and she will text her best friend and she will go, he said hi. And some of you men are going, no way. No, it's true. That's why you're hearing the laughter. And here's what's weird. Her friend will care about it. She will care. Men, I know you find this incredibly impossible to believe, but it's true. She will go, well, how did he say it? Well, it was kind of like, hi. Well, was it like, hi? Meet me in the corner in 15 minutes. We'll reenact the whole thing. And then we'll analyze if there was something in the high that maybe meant he likes me. Now, men, before you get too scared, when I'm not saying, some of you guys are going, I'm never saying hi to a woman again. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is be careful with your words. Now I want to move to the women. So here's this thing that we do, women, and I know I'm totally betraying you by telling the guys this, but I think it drives guys crazy. We think if he really cared about me, he would just know how I feel. I mean, I'm not going to have to tell him how I feel. He's going to be able to read it on my face. Guys, how many of you have been driven crazy by a woman who thought you should know how she feels? <laughs> So women, what I'm suggesting is that you actually use words with men. Otherwise, you might get into a situation like this. You're on a date with this guy that you are in a relationship with, but you're very mad at. And you don't want to tell him you're mad because you've made it so obvious. And he is so clueless. So you're sitting in the car. He's driving, and you're like this. And the guy is like, do 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 15 minutes goes by. 15 minutes. The woman's going, I cannot believe he's never said anything. The man is saying, huh, usually she's talked by now. <laughs> so 
beginning to suspect that something might be up with his lovely girlfriend, he turns to her and he says, is anything wrong? And he really means it. The girl is so mad, it took him 15 minutes to even say anything. She goes, no, nothing's wrong. <laughs> and here's the mystery of the opposite sex. He believes her! <laughs> you say nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. You say what you mean. You don't say what you mean when you're a woman. You want the guy to guess. I am suggesting this morning to be kind to our brothers and tell them how we feel. Brothers, how many of you would like that from the women here? Let's move on. Love does not insist on its own way. Now I realize I am on a Christian campus so we are going to cross a line here this morning, and we are going to talk about sex. And you know, just to kind of cut the tension in the room and to make everybody else on campus jealous that they did not come to chapel this morning, on the count of three, I want you to say that word as loud as you can. One, two, three! Okay. I mean, if you can't do it, you might as well scream about it! <laughs> so I know, I know <laughs> that a lot of speakers basically will say, God doesn't want you to do it! In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> I'm going to go a little further here this morning and maybe give you some whys as to why this crazy God would still, in the culture today, still in the culture today, make it clear in Scripture that sex is to be reserved for the commitment of marriage. Because love does not insist on its own way. Now, I know on a Christian campus, you guys are probably not, maybe just a small percentage, but you guys are probably not just out having recreational sex. What you're struggling with is with the relationships, when you really care. Because you probably know God and you've been kind of swayed by the culture and you're like, that's what you're supposed to do now, right? I mean, I love you so much, I want to give this to you. Let me make an argument here this morning. Sex is never a gift you give someone else unless it comes in the context and commitment of marriage. Otherwise, let's just say it, it's something you're doing for yourself. Now let me tell you why. Your future husbands and your future wives right now are out there dating people just like you. And here's the really scary thing. I know a few of you might be engaged, but most of you are dating. And you could break up. And if you are not dating the person that you marry, you are dating someone else's future husband or wife. Have you ever stopped to think about that? And having sex with them is not building into their future. It's taking something from it. And honestly, I don't think that we think about that before we engage in sex. But it's true. 
That's what you're doing. And God wants us not just to love each other in the present, you guys. God wants us to love each other for the future. And that's why he wants us to wait. Because in the commitment of marriage, you guys can practice that thing and really get good at it for the rest of your lives. Now, I know this is a mystery to you this morning, but God actually likes sex. I think sometimes we think of God up there going, oh, no, don't do that. You guys, he created it. He's for it. But it's a gift he's given you to unwrap in the commitment of marriage so that the pain that some of you are feeling this morning because you're not dating the person who had sex with you. And that pain never goes away. Now, I want to be clear to say that under the cross of Jesus Christ, it's always possible to have a new start. That is the good news of the gospel. And that is in every area of your life. So no matter what you've done in your past or what's been done to you in your past, you can always, every day, every moment, decide from this day forward, Lord, I want to walk in your grace. And you've got it. You've got it. It's as if God looks upon you as a virgin again. And it's true. And you won't look like Steve Carroll. Trust me. Some of you don't even get that, but that's the 40-year-old virgin. The bottom line is, is that God has the best plan for sex. And it's the plan he's always had. Even though in this culture, you guys are going to feel like an anomaly if you decide to wait. Some of you, and I've talked to a few of you, have made that decision, and it is awesome. But there are some people here that maybe are not sure. And I just want to compel you to just think about it. Just think about it. Love does not insist on its own way. And if we're going to bring that principle into our dating relationships, we're going to wait. We're going to take a lot of cold showers. We're going to have a lot of good friends around us that are going to help us, that are going to coach us, that are going to help us not get in situations. We're not going to go so far that we're so tempted. We're going to just be careful because we're going to shepherd this gift that God has given us and not abuse it. So I want to tell you here this morning that no matter what you've done in your past, you can make that decision in the future. But here's where I want to end our talk today. Love is not resentful. I know that as I say these words, there are some of you sitting here today that have had a relationship that has broken up. And maybe you've gone far physically, emotionally, you were in love with that person, and now you feel resentful. Gosh, I thought he loved me. I thought she loved me. And now here I am. And there are people that sit in their pain for years, wishing and wanting that relationship to still go, still happen. And maybe if I did something differently, maybe if I, if I looked differently. And what I want to tell you is that if a relationship ends, God has another plan. And you've got to trust that this morning. And maybe you will get back together, but there's a good chance that, believe it or not, he has someone there for you. I want to share my testimony this morning. I know some of you are ring by spring. I, is, I am what you call ring by retirement. I actually was, you know, I, I, I didn't go to college. I went to UCLA, and I wasn't thinking I was going to get married right after college. But I thought, oh, about my mid-20s, that was my script for my life. Don't you love giving God your script for your life? Just wait. <laughs> So about my twenties, you know, it didn't happen. And then I hit 30 and I was starting to go, okay, Lord, now I'm praying a little louder. 
And I'm getting some other people recruited to start praying for me. Because now I'd been a, a bridesmaid in several weddings and I was ready to be a bride. Thank you very much. So then as I move into my 30s and start to approach my 40s, I began to suspect that God was deaf. Have you ever suspected that? I mean, I had been praying so hard. There were so many people praying. And then finally, at 42 years old, I got engaged. Yeah, that's, yeah. There was a little bigger of applause that happened in my family. My dad literally got on his knees and said, thank you, Jesus. And, I, and he doesn't even pray that way. 42. Met this guy. He was actually a Marine reservist, a lawyer, and we got uh, together. And uh, in the course of our engagement, we we're heading towards marriage. And um, he had two kids from uh, a marriage. And, and so I was learning how to be a stepmom. And we were just about four months shy of the wedding day when he got deployed to go to Iraq. And it was going to be a nine-month deployment. We actually contemplated the shotgun wedding, but decided wisely not to do that. So he left, and he was gone for nine months. I'm like, okay, now I'm 43. Got the wedding dress. I got the bridesmaids' dresses. I got the whole thing ready. In fact, we even had the home ready and furniture in the home, and I was kind of watching it while he was gone. Well, in the course of his deployment, unbeknownst to me, his ex-wife was beginning to have second thoughts about their marriage. And she began writing him, and so our communication kind of grew more distant towards the end. And when he came back, we broke up, and he actually remarried his ex-wife. Now, that is a great story when you're not the girl engaged to the guy who goes back to the ex-wife. And I have to tell you, there were so many tears. Even well-meaning Christians who would come up to me and say, well, isn't it great that God used you to get them back together? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's fabulous, and I hope you have the same experience someday. <laughs> I mean, really. Christians can say the darndest thing. Here's my advice. Just listen when you've got a friend going through that. It was a great story. You guys, my parents are divorced. I would have loved them to get back together. That is God's plan. But I felt like God was being mean to me. And maybe some of you this morning feel like God's been mean to you because of what you've experienced in your life. I wrote a book about it called Finding Faith in the Dark. Where is God when we're going through those seasons? I learned so much about God, but I held on. I didn't know if he still had marriage for me, but five years later, when I took a job in Santa Barbara, I met another guy. <laughs> and at the ripe young age of 49 years old, I became a bride for the very first time. And just so you know, the God that, and what he is capable of, the God that you know and what he is capable of, this is a picture of my husband. Huh? <laughs> now, I know he's kind of old for some of you guys, but is he a hot or what? I mean, I, was, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, 49? You're not supposed to look like that at that age. And here's the really cool thing, you guys. See that wedding dress? That was the wedding dress I bought for the first wedding. My mother hung it in her closet and kept a humidifier on it. It was her hope chest. And I wore that dress on my wedding day. And because I'd pretty much outaged myself of kids, unless God was going to pull another Sarah type birth, here's the package deal that came on my wedding day. This beautiful boy, six years old when we married, the next picture shows the three of us. 
on our wedding day. I always, got, I always say I got two for the price of one because I had to wait so long. And then this is what we look like today. He's a little bit older now. He's uh, going to be 13 in a couple months. And so this is the story that God had in mind. And here's the really beautiful part about it. All those years were leading me to where I am this morning in front of you. Because let me tell you something, you guys. Had I married at 22, 25, and had my 2.5 kids, and had my normal life, I would not be sharing the awesome testimony of what God can do in our lives. So you hold on. You hold on. I thank God every day I didn't marry my old fiancé. My husband is perfect for me. No, it wasn't what I thought in terms of timing, but it was right. So you hold on. Don't make a decision about a relationship because you're scared to graduate single. Can I just say that this morning? You hold on to God because he has the right relationship for you. And some of you need to let go of your resentment this morning. And you need to move your eyes forward for what God has for you. He's a good God, and he loves you. Let's pray. Just with everybody's eyes closed, if you have a pain, a hurt, a regret in this area of love, sex, and dating, and you want prayer, would you just slip your hand up right now this morning? Just slip your hand up. Lots of hands. Okay, I want to I just pray for you. Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters walking into Valentine's Day in a few days and just feeling like, ugh, boy, do I know that feeling. Lord, would you just fill in the gaps and would you infuse them with hope this morning that you have a good plan for them and they may be walking a difficult season, but you have a plan for their life. And so God, help them leave today and let go of the resentment that they may feel. And then I want to pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, and I pray for many discussions to happen after this chapel, for them to really think about this decision to wait to have sex when they're married. I tell you, waiting as long as I did, it was so worth it. And I, I know they won't have to wait, most of them, as long as I did. And they can do it. And you have such a prize waiting for them, even if they've had it before now. God, help them feel your grace. New starts this morning in relationships. So we just bring ourselves before you. We ask that you guide us in our love. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.